This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom and Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. This episode touches on topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Jessica A. Walker about maternal mental health in diverse communities and cultivating relationships with African-American mothers, the challenges that Black mothers face as a barrier to treatment. I'm really excited to have Jessica on with us today. She is a joyologist, a researcher, and a Your New Media producer, and works as a president of JAW Research Institute, an online business education institute, and social advocacy media enterprise. Jessica is a standing contributor to California Task Force on the Status of Maternal Mental Health with 2020 Mom, speaker for Stop Stigma Sacramento, a multimedia project which aims to reduce stigma and discrimination that face individuals living with mental illness a NAMI California Peer Support Workshop Facilitator, and so, so many more things that you can find out about her on her website, and we'll get to that at the end. She's a mother of six, a wife, a dancer, a sister, a daughter. Daily, she suffers from a lack of sleep and dehydration, among other things, but she wouldn't have it any other way. She's the author of the forthcoming book and online course, Happily Depressed, The Work, set to be released in 2017. Thanks so much for being here, Jessica. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm really excited about this podcast. Thank you. And I'm happy to have you on and your perspective. You do so much work in your community and work to help moms. And I really want our listeners to have your perspective on things that we can do as providers. There are so many gaps in terms of getting help to moms in the African-American community, in the Black community, for women of color, to be able to get them help that feels supportive to them and is culturally relevant and sensitive and meaningful. And I really want to understand from your perspective and hear your, your experience around that. Sure. 
So I'd like to start off with asking you about the work that you do and how you got into this specialty and working with in maternal mental health. Yeah, so I got into the specialty because it was something that I needed. Just to give you a very short story, I struggled with postpartum depression for about a good, I want to say five years or maybe even more than that. I was basically a mombi, you know, so you hear the word zombie, I was a mombi. (laughs) I woke up, I got dressed and really not dressed. Like I just literally like put on some sandals and some sweatpants. Yeah. (laughs) And I walked around my house and I got the kids to go to school and I was just like, you know, and I go back in my room, go to sleep, wake up again, pick up the kids, do their homework with them, fix them dinner and go back into the mombi state. Mm -hmm. So I went like that for a couple of years really. And I was told that I had postpartum depression by a doctor. I was like, uh, no, I don't. I'm black. We don't get depression. You crazy. I said, you crazy. It really was that. I was like, yeah. you crazy. We don't get depression. I don't know what you're talking about. Because in my community and in my neighborhood, really, everyone around me kind of had that same attitude. So how do you know if you're depressed if everyone else around you is depressed, right? You don't right. really see happy people except for on TV. You just figure, oh, you know, it's an imaginary land. So anyhow, I went through that. I was really functional, like I said. I was able to get my kids dressed, take care of them. I volunteered at the school. Um, I held on to a couple of jobs during that time. I was actually a manager of one of the highest performing stores in my district. And I just really, I was just lost. I was in that state of just existing and I wasn't really living. Mm-hmm. So with the, with the birth of my sixth child, Yeah, something had to change. My son came into my room one day and I sat in my room. It was really dark. I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie The Ring, right? The Ring. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The girl comes out. I was the black version of that. I was Um, the black version with the braids. (laughs) You know, I go, like, serial stuff hitting your brother, stuff hitting your sister. You know, like, (laughs) Um, I'm hoping. And uh, my son came into my room, which was my well. And, you know, I kept it really dark. I just watched reality shows all day. It was really, really dark in my room. And then my son came in and he said, Mom, why are you always sad? The look on his face. I mean, if I could have turned into stone, I would have. I I was like, what are you talking about? As you can hear, I'm very bubbly. I'm like, hi, what are you So I had to uh, come to reality and understand that I was wearing a mask. And whenever I went out, I would crack jokes and I'd laugh, you know. But my appearance was always really messy. I really didn't care anymore about my life. And when my son brought that to my attention, I said, he knows. I would cry in the shower at night. I would, you know, I did everything I could to hide my true feelings from everyone, even my husband. My husband kind of knew something was wrong, but at the same time, he didn't know what to do about it. So my son coming up with that woke me to the fact that he was, you know, privy of it. And I said, How old was he at that time? He was seven, I believe. Mm -hmm. Seven years old. And it's so funny. He's my little soldier. You know, I'd almost miscarried him and he survived through that. And now he was saving me. So it was Mm -hmm. pretty awesome. You know, you never think your kids will be the ones to save you, but they end up becoming you know, those ones that are there for you. Um, So anyhow, he uh, did that. And I said, you know what? I looked in the mirror. And at that point in time, I said, this will never happen again. I will not allow this to interfere with my child's life. Well, it had been, right? (laughs) Because I've been sitting in my well, but I was so busy in my well, I hadn't really paid attention to everything else. I figured as long as I got into school, they did their homework, they were getting your grades, you know, the the light bill was paid. I was doing my job. But it wasn't, I wasn't fully there. So 
he did that. And I woke up to it. I said, I'm not going to allow this to affect him. It's not his job to worry about me. It's my job to worry about him. He's supposed to just be a happy kid. So I went and did some research. And at this time, during this time, I don't know if postpartum progress was really, I guess they were out, but maybe I just wasn't aware of them. I wasn't taking a real notice of it. But I recall going to the doctor with my daughter after doing like research about depression and stuff. And I'm like, why isn't anyone talking about this? Why isn't anyone saying anything? Mm -hmm. And seeing a poster in the bathroom of a hospital facility that I went to. And I was like, oh, I should call that number. So I called the number and it was like an automated system and I immediately hung up and I was like, okay, I don't know why, but for some reason I just felt like it just wasn't right for me. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, I started doing some research on it and I said, you know what, I'm going to start a group where women can come and just talk about their feelings and talk about what's happening. And I started blogging and come to find out I'm not that good of a blogger. I am horrible with grammar. Yeah. It's so funny. I sent it to uh, the news to a news channel. No, it was a newspaper, and they had like a blog for moms. And I'm like, I want a blog for you guys. I have a blog, and they were like, Your grammar is horrific. Oh <laughs> no! You have a lot of good things to say. No, they were like, You have a great viewpoint. Your personality really shines through. However, yeah. <laughs> you cannot write. Oh boy. <laughs> Guess what? Yes, that's not where I'm supposed to go. Right. So, to make a long story short, I started a nonprofit organization after I started the groups and started meeting with women and seeing how prevalent this was, not only in communities of uh, great depression or great stress, but also in communities where women have a lot of access to resources. You know, so I started the nonprofit and it took off from there. I, I called it Mom and Me after meeting with a psychologist who just I so happened to meet with for something else. Actually, it was something completely different. But she was like, you know what, you should call this. And I was like, should I call it like Mom and Baby or Baby and Me and Mom, Mom and Baby? You know, everybody has like this Mom and Me shops or Mom and Me groups and stuff. And then she said, no, call it mom in me because the mom is inside of you, but you're still a human being. You're still an individual and you're still a woman. And I said, yeah, it's the mom in me. That's the title. It's not who I am all, you know, I'm not just Khalid's mom or Jaquela's mom. You know, I have a name. My name is Jessica. (laughs) So anyway, that was a long form story. Sorry, that was supposed to be short. It wasn't really short. (laughs) Oh no, don't worry about it. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important for everyone to, you know, we all have different journeys and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us who work and do advocacy and help moms in this field have gone through something ourselves or been really touched in a deep way by somebody who has. And all of our stories are important and all of the ways that we get to this work is important because we are on some level reflecting what other people are dealing with. And I think it's really important to hear your story and Mm. understand that, you know, I mean, essentially you had a really, really, really hard time and you found a way through and now it's how it, that your experience empowers you. And that's brilliant. And now to use that empowerment to go out and help others and then to, you know, ultimately help physicians, which is not what I set out to do. (laughs) Understand. Well, right. Um, Yeah. And everyone needs this information. Mm -hmm. So it would be really great to know from your perspective and your experience and the work that you're doing is what is unique about African-American mothers, the black community, women of color during this period of time of pregnancy and postpartum? 
unique in terms of expectations and pressures and also the strengths that they have as women and as a community. So if you could speak to that. Well, that is a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just asked you a lot. You're right there with me, Kat. Like, (laughs) such a loaded question. Like, you know, it's like, which one do I talk about first? I think the overarching view of all of this is the fact that racism is still very much alive and and it's very unfortunate. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin has several other high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable And not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mine listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Right. It's the fact that we've come so far to get hit back again so far. You know, like it just pushes us right back again. What African-American women have to go through continuously on a daily basis is something that surpasses a lot of things that other nationalities might not have to deal with. It, it surpasses a lot of the, the perceptions, a lot of the stereotypes mm-hmm. that are placed upon African-American women. So you ask me that, and I, you know, I guess I can take this from, I talk about this in the book, as well as, you know, in some of the webinars that I've provided. You know, we really have this whole view, and I'm going to speak from my viewpoint and my viewpoint only as an African-American mother. You have so many different perceptions that, you know, you take into your own view and then what's perceived of you. Mm-hmm. Even with breastfeeding, something that's as little and as natural, I think is natural, as breastfeeding, like we get our grandparents, our, you know, our relatives, even community members, they're like, oh no, you can't, you know, don't breastfeed that baby. That's nasty. Da, 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 da. You know, so there are 
African-American groups that are now advocating for, you know, Black women breastfeeding because we have those voices, right, from our own community. And then, again, to go on the other end of that, we also have the stronghold of what's happened during slavery, moving into the civil rights movement. And then that still exists today that we see on social media all of the time, continuously, 24 hours a day, we are uh, susceptible to those images every single day. And it's just, you know, and it's 24 hours in our pocket, right? right. So with that, I just wanted to add on to the superwoman theory. So I talk about the superwoman theory. Superwoman theory is what's been handed down to us generation after generation. You think about it, in slavery, we weren't able to say, hey, you know what, I'm tired. I think I want to go sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't happen, you know, or I'm feeling a little depressed or under the weather right now. Can I take a day off? You know, it just didn't happen. So all of that suppression has now been passed down and handed down generation after generation. You're told to just put on your your big girl pants and just walk the walk. Put on your makeup and walk through whatever it is you're going through. And you're not taught to express your true feelings. Whereas now we are starting to advocate a lot more, which is kind of why I went into the media space with all of this and mm-hmm. trying to socially advocate. You know, right. um, Kat, when I had you on the show couple of what was that like almost a year yeah yeah almost a year ago like I was just I was so engrossed in I have to produce shows or bring about change by using social media because it's such a big part of our daily lives and how can we take out all this negative or at least combat all the negativity that's out there was something positive. Right. So yeah, so I hope I kind of answered at least one of those questions. In right. there. And, and I think, you know, as, as we were kind of talking before we got started, you know, there are some really, really huge social, cultural, emotional, historical mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. happening now and that have been happening, but are highlighted also through social media in a different way than has ever been. Mm -hmm. I want to both address that, but also acknowledge that we need to spend another different separate episode discussing all of the impacts of the the violence that we're, you know, that now all of us are seeing before it was maybe just seen in the neighborhood, but now all of us are seeing it. And we need to really, really maybe take a deeper dive into that topic and understand how that is affecting motherhood. That's a whole other podcast, That's a, whole a whole other day. <laughs> right. And, and absolutely, that will be addressed in a yeah. different episode. And it's such a, a big and heavy and important topic and reality to discuss. And, you know, from what we've talked about is that for now, we want to like focus on and a little bit more general stuff yeah. just in terms of expectations and pressures and strengths of moms during this time. And then also, you know, cultural barriers and how can we help them? And so we'll get into the heavy stuff again. Well, I think the overarching theme here is that we, this deserves really truthfully its own podcast. And I've been tinkering yeah. around back and forth about it, you know, and it's, Number one, it's another thing to put on my plate, right? I really <laughs> I advocate for wellness in life and in business. That's like my tagline, my motto. Mm-hmm. Don't live it, but <laughs> well, for it. <laughs> it's a constant, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, do I really want to put something else on my plate? So if we have any listeners out there that want to take this on and want to be like the talent and be the podcasters, I am more than willing to show you how to do it and have right. you yeah, take yeah. on. But yeah, so that's the overarching theme is that, you know, it would take us another good hour or more, or more. Or more 
to talk about that. But yeah, it's really focusing on what we can do right now to help the mothers that may be either pregnant or after pregnancy Mm -hmm. that are African-American and help them so that they can better help their children, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think getting back to what you were saying that, so there are pressures, there are expectations within the community, but also there are strengths. And and what are those strengths that moms are pulling on to get through? And what are the things that you know, me as a provider or somebody else who's listening and maybe an OB or a pediatrician or somebody who's listening, how can we be more supportive of making sure that, you know, that the stigma is not there and that the moms are getting the mental health support that they deserve? Okay. So I'll answer the strength question first. So the strength that African-Americans hold is that it is just that, that word, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's the strength to endure to go through all of the different obstacles that we go through on a daily basis and really sometimes hourly, sometimes every minute mm-hmm. of the day, which if you really think about that, even from a perspective of a provider, that's a lot right. being traumatized over and over and over again. It's known as the wound that never closes to add a little story to that. And I kind of tinker back and forth whether or not I want to talk about this, but I feel like I need to today. This morning, I went to the store and I talk about perceived racism a lot. And if you guys want, you can go ahead and Google perceived racism and kind of find out more about it. Kathleen Tackett, which I work with Paralysis Press, does a lot of work in that talking about perceived racism. But perceived racism happens every single day. So for me, this morning, I went to the grocery store and I stopped to get, I know this is bad, a donut and chocolate milk. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't worry. I was just like, I was just in one of those moods and yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I just need a donut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I got a donut and a chocolate milk and I'm going through the little automated line because I really didn't feel like talking to anyone. So I didn't go through the cashier and <laughs> I scanned my stuff and I got ready to pay and I had my money out and the machine wouldn't take my $20 bill. So I said, oh man, now I got to talk to somebody. So I went over to the little lady and I said, hey, you know, I the machine won't take my $20, you know, and it just, it wouldn't take it to a point where it just took like the beginning part of it. Like it wasn't like it went all the way in and came back out. It just wouldn't take the beginning. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So that was frustrating me. (laughs) So I walked over to her and I said, Hey, can I get changed? Because the machine won't take my $20. She said, yeah, sure. She checks the money, which I'm okay with. Fine. Okay. You need to make sure it's legit. Totally fine. She checks it again. She checks it a third time. I'm like, okay. The $20 is valid. Believe me, all I want is a donut and a chocolate milk. <laughs> if I were really, you know, not trying to get over here. So she gets me to change and I go over to the machine and she goes, well, you know, the money doesn't work if it's fraudulent. Wow. And I said, okay. You know, so I could have reacted in several different ways. <laughs> I chose to ignore it. I chose to just walk out of the store. But when I got in the car, I really, truthfully, I just started to cry. Right. And I just felt so heavy because I felt like you, you know, number one, I probably make more than, you know, but that's besides the point. You know, I have clients that are probably paying double your salary, but, you know, I really just got to a point where I was like, when will it be that I'm just a human being and I'm just trying to pay for my things? Like, you know, when will it be? that I'm not trying to do anything. I don't need to, you know, when, when will that happen? You know? So, you know, it wasn't the fact that that happened that day at that time. It was that it happens a lot. Right. It's every time that I go to the grocery store, it's, you know, the person in front of me, the customer in front of me, that's usually Caucasian because I live in a predominantly suburban area. 
you know, it's taco night. How are you? Your total's eight ninety five. And then when I get up there, it's like, that'll be $3. Mm-hmm. Like right. I'm a total nuisance to even be in your line. And here I am paying your salary by buying something from your store. Right. So I have to counteract with, how are you today? It's a great day, isn't it? You know, and mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to do that. It's that perceived thought that I'm somehow lesser or that I don't deserve the same service. So nonetheless, Safeway will definitely be getting an email from me. But <laughs> That's right. But, you know. Right. But in terms of like, that is, that what you've had to endure has become a strength of yours to mm-hmm. not engage at that level of behavior that they're oh, giving yeah. you. Oh, Yeah. I think that's what you're describing in terms of strengths of mothers, strengths of black mothers mm-hmm. in this, in this to society. keep fighting, right? To keep fighting and not necessarily in a physical sense, but, and the fact of it's all in the mindset. It really truthfully is. It's all that subconscious layer, that unconscious layer that we have to continue to thrive through. Really any physical fight is as nothing, nothing compared to a mental fight. Sure. So now to answer the providers, Providers to stop stigma is really, you know, it's what I do with Stop Stigma Sacramento, the whole media campaign that we have around just making sure that you are aware. I think that's the biggest piece is when you have those, because we all have them, when we have those things that kind of creep up on us and we're starting to judge someone or we're starting to put them in a certain category or that just that stigma comes up to be aware of it and go, wait a minute, this is a human being. So, So how would you describe those stigmas as related to specifically to pregnant and postpartum moms of color? Oh, you must be on welfare. You must be, um, you, you know, oh, well, you know, it can't be that bad or, you know, or uh, what's another one? You know, you're making it out to be more than it has to be. Uh, it's another stigma that usually is a big one. So on that level, then, you know, I'm just taking that a step further. I can imagine, Mom's not being taken seriously, exactly. mom's discounted, mom's mm-hmm. feeling not heard, and yeah, then exactly. therefore like, you know, discouraged. Why mm-hmm. bother? Exactly. Exactly. You're hitting it right on the nail. And it's more or less, you know, oh, you black, you know, black people always complain or, you know, <laughs> or you're always angry. That's a good one. That's a big one. It's like, you're mad all the time. And it's like, well, not necessarily. There may be something underlying that. You know, and really, you know, so looking at that and just understanding and making yourself aware of when you do it, take a step back and go, this is an individual. So she can't be classified with any other mother, any other person that I've come in contact with and really doing something to turn that around. So what I advise physicians to do within that, within my class, the online class that I'm currently creating is to compliment them, you know, because how many times, if just a human being, we don't receive a lot of compliments. We're so mean towards each other, you know? So complimenting her on her shoes or her clothing or just a nice, oh, that's a nice color you have on, you know, finding something to break down that barrier so you're able to communicate. Right. In terms of the mom then, you know, if I'm trying to think in terms of a mom's perspective of mm-hmm. or a postpartum mom, mom yeah. color, black mom, who's going maybe has had a lot of the experiences that you just described is going in to get help from people that she potentially either has a hard time gauging, like, are these people on my side? Can I trust this provider? Do they have my best interest in mind? Mm-hmm. You know, how would you advise them to navigate a potentially difficult situation or system to get the help that they need? So for the mother, I really 
So it's so funny. I started this work because I really wanted to talk to moms. I was like, I need to reach the the mothers, you know? And I kind of got thrown into this whole African-American mother because I am African-American mother. But I really wanted to look at it as just the fact that universally, all mothers, I don't care what country, what culture, what whatever you go through, we just want the best for our kids, right? you know? And we want to see our kids succeed. Right. Now, what we do a lot is we put their needs above our own. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for us to advocate for ourselves and say, you know what, you know, I'm going to take my child in for a, a well check and they're well, but am I well? Am I okay? You know, and mm-hmm. so changing that conversation to say that don't use the word selfish. It's not in our vocabulary because you had a kid, like you carried the kid nine months. That's not, <laughs> you're not selfish whatsoever. <laughs> right. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's OneSkin. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready-to-eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. So really turning that whole conversation around to be that I need to take care of myself so I can better take care of my child. And that's why I set out on this journey. I understood that in order to stop bullying, in order to stop childhood obesity, in order to stop adverse childhood experiences, which are ACEs, the childhood trauma that is going on, start with the chicken before the egg. Start with the mother. Let's educate the mother. Let's help her understand that maybe she didn't have the best parents, but that's okay. She can be a great parent. So really, truthfully, changing that whole conversation around to being, I can take care of myself and not feel bad about it. And I can advocate for myself and say, hey, I don't feel good today. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be perfect. I'm a human being. That's why, you know, Mom and Me and the Jaw Research Institute was born. Jessica Advocates Wellness is the Jaw Research Institute. All the research that I've done on depression, on 
mental states, on just media, you know, on social aspects. You know, it all comes back around to the mother. We're the head of everything. And I'm sorry, dads, they're listening, but <laughs> I think they understand it as well because they came from a woman. <laughs> you know, mothers, and it's a hard, it's a large weight to bear. It's really heavy on our shoulders. So sometimes we end up, like I said, we end up putting the needs of others before our own, but we have to understand that our needs are just as important. Absolutely. That's really important to highlight. And that's something I see across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, All moms have difficulty caring for themselves, but I think because of all of the factors that you've already described and some other ones that, you know, that are there, I think there's an added layer of difficulty for black moms Oh yeah, because of all of those other pressures that. Oh, definitely. Well, black moms are in their their own category. They definitely are. Because that, and to give you a little bit of a visual, you know, we get it from all sides. So we get it from our own people that tell us to do certain things in a certain way, or you're not cool, or you're not quote unquote black enough if you don't do things in a certain way, and then you get it from our counterparts, you know, of different ethnicities that say, oh, well, you, you're, you know, I see that you're this color, so you must react in X, Y, and Z way. Mm -hmm. And then you get it from the schools. Oh, the black moms here, you know, the frightened look, the look of, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? You know? And it's like, I'm just here to volunteer, you know? So it really comes from all different, and we can't even talk about government, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other podcast itself again. (laughs) So, you know, you really do, you get it from all ends of the spectrum, and then you, you come to terms, and then you look yourself in the mirror, and you go, you know, what do I need to do to be okay? Like, that whole incident with me in the store, it's like, okay, what do I need to do, do to be okay? And to advise any mothers that are listening, any mothers really, but African-American mothers specifically, because I think they would resonate a lot with this. Music is like our, our outlet. And that's not to say that only us, because I know me and you talked about that as well. But music is our kind of way of, of getting over that. And I think it goes all the way back to when we had drum sets, you know, during slavery and, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, we can really get, go really deep with that. But it really has to do with our neurochemicals, you know, the serotonin, the dopamine, all that stuff that kind of gets activated in those pleasure centers that gets activated when we hear music. And that's with any nationality across the board. But I think in the African-American, if you go to a urban community, usually you will hear at some point in time, music blasting (laughs) from somewhere. (laughs) It could be from a car, from a house, or, you know, you'll hear music blasting. And it really is a defense mechanism. It's a way for us to get lost in the music that, right, in that time and in that space, we can feel good about something. So I really advocate for that a lot. So find your jam. (laughs) Literally, yeah. Find your jam. (laughs) Absolutely. I think from highlighting some of the things you're saying, self-care is not selfish. Really checking in with yourself about what do I need in order to feel mm-hmm. okay or get through the day or at least exactly. care myself as much as my kids. And mm-hmm. one way to do that is through music and being connected in that way. Yeah, yeah. What are some other ways that you suggest and advocate? Meditation, meditation or prayer, big, huge one. Deep breathing is a big one for me. I like to get in the shower and just have, you know, I like the water hot. So whatever your, your thing is, (laughs) but, uh, you know, just turn the water on and it's something about the water having calming music on and just, just taking deep breaths in and out. It's just so relaxing and it, you know, it helps me and I just kind of go over my day when I'm in the shower and I just kind of 
rehash, okay, what triggered me today? Why am I upset about it? Just really checking in. In that book, I do a lot of check-ins. Okay, well, let's check in. And, you know, how can you check in with yourself? How can you make others aware that if you, you know, I put that in the book as well, if you see me, if you see me do this, then get my toolbox. You know, I might, I call it a mental health toolbox, but really it's just whatever you put your, you know, your little reminders in. It could be your wallet. It could be whatever, you know, you want to do as your mental health toolbox. And you pull out those reminders, you know, something that makes you happy, something, your favorite music, your, your poems, deep breathing exercises, you know, it could be something that's just bookmarking a YouTube channel that makes you laugh or a YouTube video or just this podcast, you know, just listening to other women and going, oh, wow, my life is bad, but it's not as bad as that. You know, like (laughs) I can overcome and she overcame. (laughs) Right. Oh, absolutely. There is a lot of healing knowing that you're not alone. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So it doesn't have to be from that context. That was a little bit of a joke, but yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, just, you know, having those things that you can turn to, to, you know, when other people kind of see you as like, I told my husband, you know, if you see me and it's been 24 hours since I've laughed, you know, there's a problem, you know, something's wrong. Cause I laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. So if it's 24 hours that goes by, then I need for you to check in with me. I need for you to sit me down and just find out what's going on because it's so easy for me to just be going, going, going that I don't notice it. And I need for him to kind of be held accountable and have that other person. That support person is really huge and important. Right. So finding somebody who you can, I mean, it sounds like for you in your process, I think what you're stating is kind of what you've outlined in your upcoming book is that you really sit down, take some time to like, just reflect on yourself and what works Mm -hmm. for you and what doesn't Mm -hmm. have that list somewhere, have that maybe a literal toolbox somewhere of things that you can use and then also find somebody that you trust who you know will have your back and can bring them in on it, give them clues, advocate for yourself with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be a therapist. So let sure, me just sure. throw that out there. Yeah, it can be a doctor, you know, but find the right one. You know, you don't have to stay, but you're not stuck to any person. You don't owe them anything. Yes. <laughs> so if you don't like them, Keep it moving. You know, say, hey, you know what? This relationship is not going to work for me. <laughs> Break it off and keep going. It's like a bad date, right? Uh, yeah. You don't stay dating the guy if he is like, you're like, you're suck. You're not good. <laughs> like, you move on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Please do that with therapists. I've heard too many stories of people staying with therapists that didn't. Yeah, it helps not you nor them. So, okay, so we've covered quite a few topics today, all of which could have their own separate, you know, (laughs) separate episode. And and I really want to point that out and just state, you know, this is on some level, this is part of a continuing conversation. We're not going to be able to address all and everything in, you know, 30, 40 minutes. But these are some of the highlights. These are some of the real struggles that are affecting moms of color, black moms, African-American moms who are pregnant who are postpartum and have these additional layers of stress that they are trying to manage, which also like the higher the stress, the more chance the birth outcomes are lower or that the health outcomes of mom and baby are compromised, the higher the level of stress. And so I think, you know, the things that we've been discussing and talking about are so, so, so important for providers, anybody who is working with a mom of color, African-American mom and black mom who in their, you know, offices or even advocating or any contact you have is to understand 
the, the layers of stress that they are dealing with, if you are not of, you know, of the same culture, the layers of stress that they're dealing with might be much higher than you think. And to be supporting them to have a better birth outcomes for themselves and their children. Definitely. If nothing else for the babies, and I have a campaign called Save the Babies, but that's, you know, 207 African-American babies have died due to perinatal causes here in Sacramento. And that's, that's shocking to me. And that has to stop, you know, that's just due to their mother. They haven't even had the chance to come out and experience any of the ills of the world as of yet. It's just due to the amount of stress. No baby should be born with the amount of stress of an adult. That's ridiculous. Right. There's a lot of work to do, a lot. And you are doing a really, really great work in your community and to try and help. And I know of, of like in my community down here, in San Bernardino County, we have a Black Infant Mental Health Program. Mm-hmm. And there are smallish pockets of people who are really advocating hard, but you know, there's so many layers of challenges here. Definitely. Uh, but it takes all of us at least, if nothing else, if nothing else coming away from just this episode is be aware, have a sense of awareness that, mm-hmm. you know, that we really need to be taking care of these moms and their babies and, you know. There's so much more to do. If anyone is interested in finding ways more to do, you know, Jessica, I'm sure you would be available to consult on, you know, how in their communities they can be continuing. Yeah. So let's continue the conversation for sure. You guys can all visit bit.ly slash J-A-W-M-I-M. So it's job mom and mine. So it's B-I-T dot L-Y slash J-A-W-M-I-M. And if you go there, what you'll be able to do is to sign up to be a part of this work. And you can either sign up to, if you just want a copy of the book when it comes out, or if you want to find out more information, if you just want to help out, if you just want to leave just a basic comment about the show, you can definitely do that there. And I'll definitely share that with you, Kat, as well. But I definitely want to continue the conversation because it's so important, the work that you do. And that's our Black Infant Health Program here as well. I've been just really truthfully trying to advocate and push, push, push. Let's get on social media. Let's, you know, advocate for these women. Let's reach them in their pockets, literally, right? uh, because they're using these mediums. So I'm really, really proud. And I thank you for creating the content that you have created here and being a broadcaster and advocating for this, because this is where we're going to reach the people. Right. That's my hope. And thank you for acknowledging that. I really am hopeful that, you know, in all of the topics that we address, that these are ways that people can feel heard and feel understood and to know that there are people out there advocating for them Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to hear anymore. Like, why didn't anyone tell me about this? Mm -hmm. Nobody gave me the support. Well, there are people out there, but we are just like screaming from our mountaintops. And Jessica, I know you are for sure. To try and get the word out there. So it really does take all of us to like, you know, share your information, to share any episode of even of this podcast or Jessica mm-hmm. of your work that you feel like a mother could resonate with or a provider should be hearing so that, you know, that this spreads and people know that there's help available. Definitely. Um, and yeah, this isn't the only conversation we're having. It's not like, oh, okay, check that one off the list. No, yeah. this is like... <laughs> This is an ongoing conversation. It's an integral to making sure that moms and babies are healthy is to discuss the cultural factors that impact their access to health and wellness and peace of mind for themselves and within their community. So I thank you immensely for your knowledge and your wisdom and 
I don't know. They're all fake too. The media is the way to reach them. He who holds the media, this guy told me that one time on my show, he who holds the media owns the world. So if we could get more of us out in the media Mm -hmm. and utilizing it for good, then guess what? We'll have a happier world. All right. Awesome. Thank (laughs) you so much for your wisdom and we'll talk again. All right. Talk to you soon. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.